This is a Federal News Network podcast. The starting salary for an officer at the Transportation Security Administration can be as low as $29,000 a year. Congress agrees TSOs are underpaid, but members can't agree on what they should do to resolve that pay and morale issue at TSA. House Democrats are trying a third time to pass legislation they believe would help. The bill would give TSOs a chance to earn a salary under the general schedule. Others say Congress should find a way to ditch the general schedule altogether, not add more people to it. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco explains. The debate over how to best raise salaries for transportation security officers continues, and it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. Democrats say the solution comes in the form of new legislation called the Rights for the Transportation Security Administration Workforce Act. House Democrats have introduced this bill or something similar two other times previously, and it's passed the House before. The Senate hasn't ever considered it. The bill would give TSOs a chance to earn a higher salary under the general schedule, and it moves them under the Title V personnel system, gives them full collective bargaining rights, and the chance to appeal disciplinary actions before the Merit Systems Protection Board. Democrats say the current personnel system for TSOs is second class, and they believe their bill would address chronic morale issues at the agency. 55% of TSA's 60,000 employees are people of color. Joy Cheney is the Senior Vice President for Policy and Advocacy and the Executive Director for the National Urban League's Washington Bureau. To put it plainly, the TSA is driving the diversity and inclusion in our country's homeland security workforce. And yet, transportation security workers are not afforded the protections and the benefits of their counterparts elsewhere in the Department of Homeland Security or the federal government at large. It makes you wonder. Republicans, though, say moving TSOs under Title V and the general schedule isn't the right solution. Carlos Jimenez is the ranking member of the House Homeland Security Subcommittee on Transportation and Maritime Security. I think they are underpaid, and we as Congress should be uh, appropriating more money for uh, TSO workers so that we can bump them up in pay and bring them up to bring them up to the level that most most federal employees, you know, are getting. Because I do think that that's part of the problem. Congress first created TSA almost 20 years ago, and it specifically excluded TSOs from the general schedule pay scale and Title V personnel system. Congress instead gave TSA leadership the authority to hire, appoint, discipline, and set pay and promotions for TSOs. Multiple administrations, though, haven't really used those authorities. Bonnie Watson-Coleman is the chairman of the House Homeland Security Subcommittee. So the flexibility has, has existed to make life better and fairer and more predictable, but it hasn't happened. And every administration that came about since that legislation was enacted, there's responsibility for that. The one thing Title V does is ensures predictability and treatment equal to what other federal employees get. TSA actually started using those authorities more often in recent years. The agency commissioned a blue ribbon panel to study TSA's workforce challenges, and the panel recommended TSA use those flexibilities to give TSOs a series of targeted pay raises. Darby LaJoy is the senior official performing the duties of the TSA administrator. He says 32,000 TSA workers got a pay raise a few weeks ago, and 4,500 TSOs with more service time are eligible for a 5% raise soon. LaJoy says TSA is evaluating the cost of moving TSOs to the general schedule. The secretary is committed to looking at this issue 
and we are working very closely with the department to understand, you know, what that those implications would be and what the pricing would be. We are aware of, you know, the bill that would, you know, propose moving TSA to Title V. We are providing technical drafting assistance, you know, on that legislation. And for us, we think there's a couple of keys, irrespective of whatever the personnel system that TSA operates on. It needs to ensure at least you know, what TSA employees would make, you know, compared to their colleagues in Title V. We think it needs to strengthen and promote um, due process rights, you know, for our workforce. It needs to strengthen and encourage collective bargaining. It needs to allow us to continue to perform, you know, our, our agile security missions. Supporters of the Rights for the TSA Workforce Act say it would accomplish those goals. Everett Kelly is the national president of the American Federation of Government Employees. You're talking about morale, right? We can't say that the GS system is a perfect system. I don't think anyone that uh, offered testimony today would say that, but the people do trust it, okay? TSOs trust the system. They want the system. They ask for the system, and pay is their number one issue. I'm listening to them every single day. So many of them can barely make ends meet because of that. Jeff Neal is the former chairman of that TSA Blue Ribbon panel and a DHS chief human capital officer during the Obama administration. His team found no evidence that moving TSOs to the general schedule would resolve their frustrations and improve employee morale. And he doubted whether low pay was really the cause behind low morale at all. When we looked at employee survey data at TSA, what we found is there were some airports where the workforce had good things to say about TSA and about the work. And there were airports where people are doing the same work and incredibly unhappy. And obviously, pay is a factor in that. But the quality of the supervisors is a bigger factor. Then there's the general schedule itself. It's 72 years old, and good government groups and even some agency leaders say it needs to be modernized or even overhauled. Tom Warwick is a former DHS senior executive and senior fellow and director of the Future of DHS Project for the Atlantic Council. I'm fully aware of the fact that you could simply raise TSA salaries by $400 million through the appropriations process. But let's be realistic. These problems, as your witnesses have told you, have been known for some time, and yet this problem has not been fixed. One of the reasons that I welcome H.R. 903 is that it is a forcing function. It will compel changes that will address these problems. Neil agrees there are pay issues at TSA, but he doesn't think the general schedule is necessarily the right tool to fix them. Part of the problem about putting them under the general schedule, though, is there's no agreement on what grade level they would be. Some of TSA's classifiers said they would be GS-5s. Some of us told us they would be GS-7s or maybe GS-8s. So nobody knows right now exactly what grade level these folks would be. And this bill could result in them getting large bumps in pay or could result in them being put in dead-end jobs where there's there's not more than a GS-5 or a GS-6 or 7. And here's Warwick. It's certainly true that the Title V approach has its flaws, but the solution is to fix the flaws in, in Title V, not to say that TSA employees should somehow be denied the benefits of Title V simply because it has flaws. Watson Coleman says the bill is still in the development stage. The committee could change it to ensure TSOs are classified at a specific grade level. I'm going to ask that my my Republican counterparts on this on this subcommittee, consider signing on to the legislation. If you want to help us to make it better, you know, please offer your 
your advice, but we agree that uh, these employees are entitled to greater protections, greater dignity and respect for the work that they do. Nicola Grisco, Federal News Network. Check out Nicole's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, You think about a pandemic, for example, that has placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions. Uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments saying, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a liberal school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream. 
which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to to fight for change. And that was that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there have been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it, it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha- Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think, with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of of them, of of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Who is the most impactful leader in your life? And what quality... Did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values, but the one, the one part of his leadership was vision, and I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream which we often define and think of his big I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that that attribute, I think, is one that that I embody. I mean, I, I I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I I learned and that I tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic! And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give? to feds looking to develop leadership skills. And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, 
who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet, or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet. And said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, 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 and so I think that's a lesson for me, if there was some advice and counsel I could give, is to continue to do your work. But, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick? Thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at Grifflesplasma.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.